Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stemmon Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful week. I know this is going to be my first week that I don't have any kids in my house because they're all back to school. And for that, I'm grateful. Micah, how are you doing today? Yes, we can, I guess we can just hang up the call, right? I mean, you're just, you could just go lay on the couch or something, I guess. I, uh, but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm good. I mean, uh, yeah, busy weekend and man, uh, move in week is this week at the university and then school starts on Monday. So mm. we are full fledged, you know, as we were talking a couple of weeks ago about pumpkin spice and those things like, Man, we're ready. I think we're going to be, it's going to be Thanksgiving before you know it. And I'm coming to your house because you're you're good at cooking. Well, I wouldn't mind that at all. But you know what? <laughs> It'll be the first time we actually see each other face to face since we started this podcast. <laughs> I don't know that we've virtual. told, Whoa. I don't know no, that we've but, told the listeners that, that like you oh, and I have well. <laughs> always recorded virtually and that we've always recorded point... virtually. <laughs> but you know, but you know, it was funny. Um, when was it? Friday. I think it was Friday. Um, you know, Laura went. Laura went upstairs. I stayed up a little bit. I was watching. Um, I was finishing watching a movie, which was a weird movie anyway. It was like an indie film, so they're always weird. But <laughs> I fell asleep on the couch, and we had the windows open. And I woke up cold, and I could just feel that autumn air. And I'm just like, oh man, fall's coming, and I am for it. <laughs> yet, yet it's supposed to be in the hot mid to high nineties this week here. I know. Like it was then, hot yesterday, and I had my I had my students do a scavenger hunt around the city, and that was that was fun. But and then um, our good yeah. friend Jordan sent me a text message last night, like a screenshot of his weather app. He's out in Oklahoma City, and it's like supposed to be in the hundreds literally every day this week. There, uh, tomorrow's one hundred and four, Tuesday's one hundred and three, Wednesday's one hundred and two, Thursday's one hundred and two, Friday's one hundred and three, and then Saturday's one hundred and three. And then that Sunday, boy, they get that, a break. That guy's pale as anything. He needs to be putting on some sunblock on him, or he's going to be turned into a, he's going to be burnt to a crisp. He's going to Sunday, be they get a break, Scott. <laughs> Sunday, they get a break. It's going to be 99 degrees on Sunday. Oh. Well, hey. That's good. I think Thursday is supposed to be 98 or 99 here. Yeah. But I think summer's going out with one last fight. Yeah. Hopefully. Who knows? Maybe there'll be an Indian summer where it'd be like, oh, <laughs> it's. It's October and it's super hot, but although we had a really beautiful fall here last year, like it was mm. really nice, it was. like it got 70s every day, it felt like we were on the west coast almost. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so before we dive into our topic, which we're going to be talking about the beautiful thing that is Vacation Bible School, uh, but before we dive right in, stories gone wild. Micah, do you have stories going wild for me? I do. I have a good one, actually. Oh um, boy! So as you know, I've you know stated openly uh, that I've taken a break from ministry, but I'm still consulting and and occasionally leading worship, but um, still consulting. And what that means is I'm literally just going into churches and offering help with with tech and media and worship solutions and mm-hmm. marketing and websites and you know helping churches with things that they just you know. Like you, uh, you were talking about an editor for your doctor before we hit record about how much those can cost. Consultants can cost an arm and a leg too, depending on who you know. Yeah. Um, and um, so I go in and I charge pennies for, you know, fixing the smallest things. So I've mentioned before that in the community that we live, we have several churches, um, some of which are 
are really old and some of our, our congregations are, you know, newer church plants or, you know, they've bought, you know, buildings within the community and they're, you know, renovated and made them look more, you know, more modern, et cetera. So one of those churches include a Mennonite church. And I think I mentioned it a couple of times here because I've led worship in that church um, and uh, helped them with their live stream setup and things like that. So a couple of weeks ago, the pastor called me and he says, I have one of the most random questions for you. And I'm like, great, all for it. What do you need? Apparently, they got a new roof put on their church building. And now their church building, I think, is the oldest church building in the community of Trenton where we live. And I think it's 102 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Beautiful church, beautiful um, you know, facility inside and out. It's just they've, they've maintained it really, really well over the years. Um, Scott, what do you know about Mennonites or Mennonite churches? Uh, quite a bit, like. What, okay. Is there anything specific you want me to? Well, say? I mean, like some people like think, oh, they're Amish. No, no, it's not. not Amish. So, like, they're, they're, Mennonite. Go ahead. I believe, if I understand, Mennonites actually come from the Anabaptist movement. Yeah. So, like, uh, Church of the Brethren is where yeah. the pastor uh, was pastoring a church before he came to the church where he's at now. So, anyway, um, the church is very traditional in the sense, like you walk in and yes, there are pews and yes, you know, there's the pulpit and yes, there is the, you know, the sanctuary, but like in their lobby area and, um, you know, in their, uh, the entryway of the church, there's a lot of like original artifacts from when the church started. Like I'm talking books that are hundreds of years old. Right. And so like there's furniture and there's, uh, there's an organ, I think like an original, like organ that you pump with your feet. So anyway, um, like I said before, the church got a new roof and uh, they had uh, this. The only way I can describe it is it looked like a almost like a record player from the 1970s. And this record player had uh, wires coming out of the back of it and it ran to the roof where they had speakers. Now, this. PA system or record player or whatever would pump music out to the speakers and into the community and they would play it like an hour, you know, or so before church started. And it would just be, you know, hymns and and a lot of times it just sounded like church bells, right? So like, you know, back in the the 90s, Scott, and early 2000s when we had stereo systems that, you know, you had positive and negative wires and you would just plug them into the back of your stereos, you know, speakers. And then the back of your, you know, CD player, stereo, whatever you had. Now, this is all those speakers had, right? So, like, positive and negative to the speaker, positive and negative to the system. The system the pastor told me Scott was in, it was from 1975. Even if they were able to replace the speakers outdoor, because that's what happened was when they did the roof, the speakers uh, they disconnected the speakers and they it basically ruined the speakers. They said that they would put them back up or they would mount new speakers if I were able to suggest something outside. And I looked at the pastor and I was like, listen, just because I love you and I care about this church, I don't think that it's the best interest of your money or your time to buy new speakers to uh implement into the system because that system was from 1975 even though the system still works it doesn't make sense because you could literally hook something up also i don't think that uh 
you're going to be able to find anything with a positive and negative, you know, input in 2023 because it's just they just don't make that kind of stuff anymore. Everything is, you know, quarter inch cable, XLR cable. Uh, you would have to, like that. or you'd have to like solder, make like some weird solder. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I'm thing. like, and then like, then you run the risk of a fire hazard and all those things. So, like, he looked at me and he's like, "So, what you're telling me is," and I'm like, "Yeah, I would just ditch it because even if you bought new speakers, there's no guarantee that the system would continue to work. And with it being famous, you know, 50 years old, like, there's, you know, I would much rather you spend your money wisely somewhere else." I'm amazed that the thing still works, but he he was like, I think he wanted to get rid of it. It's a really cool looking thing, but like in 2023, something from 1976 is probably not worth spending the time or the money. I don't know if that's necessarily a story's gone wild, but like I was more blown away that that thing a still worked and b the fact that it could have been a fire hazard because they just left the wires like because the wires like went out. So here's the system went out of the system into the wall of the church and then went up to the roof. So in between the drywall and the brick of the church and went straight up to the roof where the other speakers were. So like, I don't know if the wires are taped off. I don't know if the wires are just sitting up there, you know, exposed, but could have caused a fire. And I'm like, you should probably just disconnect those and pull the wires out of the wall. Yeah. And so he, he was like, thanks for your time. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just, what I love about going to these churches is that I never know what I'm going to get myself into. I went to another church last week, kind of did the same thing because I was trying to fix some live stream audio mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll text you a picture, but, but they ran, they were running uh, cables from the computer to the camera, to the camera, to the interface, the interface to the sound system to get the live stream audio to work. And, and I don't know why they have it set up that way. Okay. But they do. All but, right. But there is, uh, you know, tons of adapters, right? And it's just, it's oh, just geez. terrible. It's a terrible um, connection. And so, you know, we, uh, what is this? Yeah, it's back here. Anyway, there were, I, I was trying to fix something and I reached behind the soundboard and there's literally just wires like kind of like twisted together with that are kind of exposed but with duct tape they're kind of coming apart and it's like how is this not caught on fire because of you know the way that never mind it's just it's oh a, my it's a hot, god you know you just go into churches and there's like it's like a hot mess why in the world do do people think this stuff is okay but anyway that know. that's that's kind of my story's gone wild slash um uh, what do you well, think I of have, that are you surprised by those that, things or I, i'm not <laughs> because i've seen i've probably seen just as worse as stuff that you have seen <laughs> but oh man but my story's gone wild was actually i was going to share something different but then i had the weirdest dream last night and i need to share it so i don't know what kickstarted this dream all i know is i'm on a cruise ship and it's not even like a traditional cruise ship it's like literally it's almost like a military vessel but there was like a stage on it and it was like all like wood paneling all the way across like there's no like slides or ice cream machines or anything so and there's like a little ballroom inside so kind of a weird so i must have been there for a wedding because everyone's dressed up fancy there's people from the church there but there's also wwe superstars there too like john cena was there (laughs) sammy zane was there I think you've been watching too much wrestling. 
but the, I don't know. But so I'm thinking, okay, so we we leave port, and we're kind of going through a river before we head out to to the ocean. Well, as we're getting in the ocean, there's some like big concrete like docks for ships to kind of dock, and I didn't know what they were for. So as we're sailing, literally, we're sailing, and I'm looking, and I'm seeing these like mile-high waves, and it's a storm coming, and I'm thinking, yeah, I think we need to go and go to like one of those like concrete docks and like tie ourselves to it, because I don't think this is going to be good. So literally, we're going there, and like there's John Cena with some ropes about to tie the ship off to the dock, and yet everyone on the boat is like, "What are we doing? Let's go out to sea. Let's go out to sea." And John Cena has this look on his face, like, "Well, that's what you guys want, okay?" So we go out to sea, and this big wave hits us and flips the boat over, <laughs> and then somehow our boat got. After our boat went sideways, somehow we got right side up again. And now we're making our way back to the concrete dock. We tied ourselves off and they just see like this, like huge tidal wave come and hit us. And then I woke up from my dream. But I don't know what the heck that was or why I was having that dream. Was LA night in the dream? What? Was LA night in the dream? You know what? I didn't see him in my dream. That's disappointing. I just recognize there's people from the church I serve at and then WWE wrestlers. And I don't know why I was having a dream. Maybe it's a sign from God I should do a wrestling, make, have a wrestling school at the church I work at. <laughs> <laughs> Pentecostal preacher. No, you'd, ne- so... you'd never be home. Oh, my God. Oh, man. So you want to talk about VBS today? I want to talk about VBS. So. It's been very interesting because we, you know, we talked about life cycles with Jeanette last week, and um, which I thought was an amazing episode, by the way. It was. It was a great episode. My dad, he came down because he had to go pick some stuff up from our vacation Bible school. We had a wildlife theme, so he mm-hmm. donated a bunch of like wild animal, like stuffed wild animals, not real ones. He's not the Tiger King, but <laughs> <laughs> so he. <laughs> Hey kids, want to go meet this real life crocodile that's just roaming three free throughout the church? <laughs> Better get right with Jesus or the croc's going to get you. <laughs> anyway, um, jeez. <laughs> so he went to go pick it up, and we were talking, and then he left, and then he, he texted me because he, he knew he was going to do a podcast episode with us in the future and talking about stewardship. And he started saying how it was a great episode and how he loved it and how it kind of ties into some of the stuff he wants to talk to with stewardship, kind of on a different side of it. So I'm like, okay, cool, you know, we're just – chatting but yeah it was a great episode i really enjoyed it and um but i was thinking about vacation bible school because even when you think about vacation bible school they vacation bible school is kind of on a life cycle as well as far as Mm -hmm. kind of its prominence like i mean there used to be vacation bible schools that were like week long with everybody coming back on sunday to see their kids do a performance too Mm -hmm. You kind of have like a vacation Bible school that's maybe a couple days or less than a week. And sometimes you may or may not have like a closing ceremony on a Sunday morning at church because people either they don't come to church or they probably send their kids, but they already attend a different church and they just go to that church. So there's been a, a kind of a life cycle of um, vacation Bible school. So 
but I want to talk because I was actually kind of curious about how did where did Vocation Bible School come from? Like, where what's the origins of Vocation Bible School? And it's very interesting because just looking, um, they have like four starting points, at least this website I'm looking at. Um, they see it as late as 1877, um, where a Methodist church was holding a program um, where um, a Methodist preacher and his wife, who was a school teacher, enrolled 40 children in a four-week Bible school. Parents paid $1 per kid, and they each got a Bible that was donated by the Bible Society. And they met in the school, and they held recreational activities in a nearby park. Um, that's late 1800s and 1896 in New York. Some are crediting it with a person named Virginia Sinclair Hawes, who was holding a six-week, um, actually rented a beer garden <laughs> in New York, hosted a everyday Bible school in the summer. Kids would meet there. They would wear uh, play clothes and had it. And then when her church got wind of it and said, hey, we should do it at the church, they did it. But then the church required all the kids to dress up and make a special trip to the church. And then it kind of like fizzled out from there. Um and then the most recent one that someone's put in it is 1901 with a Robert G. Bolville um, out in New York City, um, ran programs and kept the kids busy during um, kept the uh, kids busy during the summer, so it would keep them out of trouble, so they wouldn't get into crime or do anything that would get them arrested. So. And he had, and according to this, it says he had about 1,500 students at his uh, Vacation Bible School program. But yeah, so that's kind of the origins of Vacation Bible School. And then from there, we've gotten to points where we've had uh, companies that you make, make curriculum for Vacation Bible School. And you try to recruit volunteers and do these um, different things. So, uh, Micah, what has been your experience either as a kid going to vacation Bible school and someone as an adult kind of seeing kind of maybe some of the changes you've seen in vacation Bible school and how it's run and how it's uh, laid out. Yeah. So a couple things. One, um, I think it's interesting. You talked about life cycles and I want to go back to that for a second, the whole life cycle of VBS. So a couple of years ago, um, I think I shared on your show that there are a group of pastors who meet in our community every single week um, on Wednesdays. And it's, literally every pastor from every church and they meet at one church every week and they have lunch and they do a Bible study together and just, you know, try to do community things and try to have events and whatnot. And so uh, the very topic of VBS came up a couple of years ago when I was sitting in this meeting with a group of pastors and I'm probably the youngest pastor in the room and uh, pastor, uh, the pastor of, I think Edgewood Baptist, which is one of the Baptist churches in the, in our community, uh, looked at me and he's like, so he's like, you're young, you've worked at larger churches. What are they doing for BBS these days? And I said, honestly, shorter. And Scott, everybody in that room looked at me like I had three heads yeah. and short. And by, by shorter, I mean, let's not have a week long BBS. Yeah. Um, and he's like, so to so tell me what, what churches that you've worked in, uh, have been doing. And I was like, well, a variety of things. We've tried a variety of different, uh, you know, versions of VBS we've done we've done it where it's been uh, a day long VBS where like you literally just have it from nine to three 
like you're having a school day and literally the the kids can have the experience of the lessons throughout the day. They can have the crafts and they can have the food and they can have, you know, we have an ice cream truck or whatever come or a Kona ice or whatever, you know, outdoor inflatables, free time, things like that. It's like a day long day camp. Right. And yet you're still getting the gospel preached and you're still using curriculum and you're still using a theme. And we always thought that that was a win-win because, um, it's less stress on your volunteers because you're only asking them one day. Whereas with the week long VBS, you're asking every single day of them. And in most cases, not saying this is an excuse, but people tend to plan their lives around their kids' sports and their kids' activities and, you know, their work activities and their work functions and work and work and work. And so the church always comes last. It used to be, 50, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago that the church came first. Now it's the opposite. And so, um, by having a single day VBS, it's a whole lot easier to, to ask that of your volunteers to give up six hours or so of their day once versus mm-hmm. two, three hours a night for seven days or whatever that yeah. would be. Um, the other, uh, other, you know, example, um, that I've seen done is that they do a weekend VBS where they do a mm-hmm. Friday, they do a Saturday and they do a closing program on Sunday. And a lot of churches don't have Sunday night anymore, so they just include it with the Sunday morning experience. The kids will lead worship. They'll do a lesson. You know, it's kind of a micro version of the bigger picture of what BBS looks like. But in the Sunday morning experience, you get a lot of bodies in the church, uh, a lot of families, a lot of friends, people that have may not attended church before. They're coming to see their kids perform in VBS. So you pack the house. So it's a win-win, again, to get people in there that not normally you know, don't normally go to church or attend that church. So they want to see your church and see how that works. And, oh, by the way, their kids on the stage. Um, I've also seen it done, like you said, you know, seven days, whatever, or six days, you know, Monday through Friday and then Sunday with a closing program. Not my favorite because that wears your volunteers out. And um, if you're fortunate enough to work at a church where you're, uh, you have a staff member who uh, does VBS or has a child, you know, you have a children's pastor who's, you know, writing that curriculum or has a team and you're a large enough situation that you can really equip and uh, give folks the, uh, the tasks and everything they need to do to succeed in a VBS that will run a week or three days or however, that's great, but that's not the situation for every church, you know, especially small to mid-sized churches in, you know, rural America or suburbia America. Um, and then lastly, the the other thing that I've been seeing happen in the last couple of years is um, a lot of churches are taking VBS outside of their churches. And what I mean by that is that they go out into the community, they partner with another church. We did that at a couple of the churches that I worked with. It's not like the full-blown VBS, but like we partnered with a church, um, an African-American church in the community a couple of years back. We met at a park and we did a day-long VBS for folks that you know, may not have the money and may not have the, so like, and it was closer to the school year starting. So we gave, uh, we gave um, backpacks away. We gave clothes away. We did, you know, outreach as a, you know, part of the VBS, like all these things, you know, to incorporate community outreach. And I think it was really successful because a, you're partnering with another church and another ministry and um, they're just grateful that you're there and to help them. And then B you're giving kids, and parents a break and also 
you know, a lot of people can't afford new school clothes and backpacks and things like that. So like, I see a lot of, of a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know that are children's pastors and leaders doing more of a community centered vacation Bible school. It's not, you know, not necessarily a curriculum mm-hmm. driven, but more of a community outreach and kind of a tag team with that to go out into the community. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I've seen yeah. it done yeah. so, a number I mean, of ways over the last several years. Yeah, definitely. Because I think like, you know, growing up when I was doing, again, this is when I started going back to church because I don't remember any, me doing any type of vacation Bible school, like prior to me going into first grade, because that was kind of like when my family left the church. Um, but when I started going back to church and my family started going back to church, there was a couple of vacation Bible schools. And I remember it was mostly the, a church would put it on maybe five days. Sometimes it'd be in the morning. Sometimes it'd be in the evening. A lot of it depend on who are your volunteers and workers. If you had a bunch of retirees, you know, they could do a morning one. And sometimes that helped families because that was like a good hour of a good couple of hours where they could drop off their kids, go to work, kind of become like a daycare, childcare type thing, and then come pick them back up. So that was always fine and dandy. And we actually did morning vacation Bible schools when um when I was in um Youngstown, when I was pastoring out in Youngstown, because that just seemed to fit better. And especially when I was in Youngstown, just culturally, like it seemed like all the churches did the same exact theme vacation Bible school. So the like curriculum. if it was like a mining theme, every single church, very rarely did I see one church do something different. But the way the churches were laid out, like it was almost like the kids didn't care that it was the same theme. They just would always go back. And for them, it was like, do I still know all the songs? Do I know all the stories? So for them, it was more of the repetition more than anything where they, and so, especially since we were kind of more towards the tail end of it, by the time we had those kids who have already went to five different VBSs with the same theme, man, they were singing those songs out loud, man. They were like reciting all these Bible verses. Like they knew it all. Um, the one do you thing remember, I thought, do you remember Chatter with the Chipmunk? I don't. No. Okay. So that was a part of a curriculum when I was a kid. And uh, in uh, reference to the songs that you're talking about, like when we did VBS curriculum, you know, you did your you know intro or whatever. And then like you had your worship time and then you broke out into sessions. One of those sessions included like a movie time, like a mini movie time. And Chatter with the Chipmunk was a big piece of, the 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 curriculum like year after year in the 90s i think and mm-hmm. so like um i always could not wait to get to chatter's theater to go see what was going to happen so what they did was they had five days of movie right uh five yeah. days of bbs so each day was uh you know five minute clip of chatter the chipmunk and that movie and you always wanted to see what the next thing was going to be so they like you got five minutes and it was on to the next thing but it was five minutes of the movie and so like the VHS was divvied up into to five different parts, but I'm surprised you don't know about chatter. Sorry. No, I don't. But you know what I find so fascinating though? Like the first VBS as a pastor, I remember we did one called Sound West Roundup and it was put out by Gospel Light, which I felt like Gospel Light, before they closed down, they had some bangers as far as vacation Bible school curriculum. Like all the songs from that they would produce, like all the other vacation Bible schools that they had songs, I'd listen to them. I'm like, 
I remember them, but I don't remember them. But but the gospel light songs, I still remember them. Like, let's go to the Sound West Roundup. Let's go out and shout, yeehaw. Let's go to the Sound West <laughs> Roundup. We're going to ride. We're going to ride. We're going to ride with Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I remember those songs. I still remember the moves. Like, And I think that's one thing that I find so fascinating because you had – these vacation like gospel and i'll take gospel light for an example because i felt like they their stuff for vacation bible school was so good i felt like everything from the lessons was very age appropriate i feel like the kids were engaged to lessons the music that they had they wrote their own music and i felt like all of that the kids were able to get and sing and connect with them they're very easy to pick up on and they're catchy um even the options the game options and the snack options and all that stuff like they always had creative good things that were very simple and easy however if you're going to buy a vacation uh, bible school curriculum from um gospel light you could easily for the starter kit pay almost close up to a thousand dollars and that's just for the starter kit and then any additional stuff like if you needed more workbooks if you needed to buy this or buy that or you want to buy um backdrops and decorations from them you were paying almost close to two to three grand in vacation bible wow. school money and there's actually were websites because uh, my wife found out that there's a website where when people are done with vacation bible school stuff they could say hey here's our vacation bible school we're done does there any other church that wants it and it was almost like an exchange where people mm-hmm. could just trade off luckily laura knew that her, the church she grew up in did gospel, um, used the gospel-like curriculum. And so she knew that they were going to do the same stuff we were going to do. And that was when we were in Northeast Ohio. So she would call, she was still good friends with the children's pastor at her church, which was um, uh, Parma Heights Baptist Church. And this was a huge, you know, thousand member church. So they always went big and they made their, they, they decorated their own stage. They made their own props. They made their own backgrounds, everything. So when they're done, they're like, well, we're not going to use this. Usually they just throw it away. So here, so my dad went up, me and him went up with the trailer and just took all this stuff that they had and we used it. So that was in some ways a blessing that there was stuff like that. Cause in some ways it is expensive now. Like there's times where you could easily get a vacation Bible school curriculum for less than a thousand dollars. Sometimes you can even get it for free, depending if you're buying curriculum, like Sunday school curriculum from like, let's say like orange or grow or, or anything. Sometimes they're like, here, you can use some of our free vacation Bible school, but I almost feel like the curriculum and all the stuff or the vacation Bible school packages are just poor quality. Or you could write your own. I mean, well, that's the one thing we did. I think in 2019, uh-huh. we, I did, I said, you know what? Why don't we try writing our own curriculum? So I had this idea for a superhero theme, and we're talking about the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So we went down, and we started all the way back in, like, January or February. I got I got my volunteers back then. I said, okay, here's the, here's the idea. Here's the – so I had my people who are going to write curriculum, write the curriculum. What do you think? What stories do we want to use? Here's the crafts. Here's the snacks. And I had them do at, And I tell you what, it was probably one of the most successful vacation Bible schools I've ever done. Hmm. I mean, we did a thing where I had a green screen. And when the kids came in, we took pictures of them. We encouraged them to dress up in their favorite, favorite superhero outfit. 
and we took pictures of them. And then I removed the background and I put like a comic book cover on the uh, green screen. And then I kind of put like a, like a art deco pop art filter over top of it. So it looked like a comic book. So I still haven't, I think I still have in my office where it's like a picture of my son, Peter wearing a cape. And I have like the theme, which we called it empowered. And I had like a special, and I had our, main verse on there and i had like the one cent like stamp of approval and it was like a big comic book thing so it was really cool and then each kid i always put something like i put like powerful peter or the amazing um, uh, the amazing amanda or something like i would always put like the kids names and made it very personal and we framed them and everything else uh for crafts one of the ladies found a bunch of old used t-shirts and all she did is she cut the shirts, except she kept the collar on and like cut the front off it and cut off the sleeves, but left the back so the kids could put their head through the collar and they would have a cape. And then they decorated their own capes. Interesting. And it was stuff that was very easy. And I think in some ways, because and I was cost effective. And not only that, it gave your volunteers the creativity, the creative license to say, here's the theme. Here's the here's the ideas and topics we're going to talk about. And here you go. And I think even, you know, and I think, you know, vacation Bible school, it's always broken up. So, you know, you have your big worship time or sometimes people may have that as a sub one of the sub things. But usually you have games, lesson, crafts. Those are like your main things. Um, and I just feel like with music. It's like, OK, like like the vacation Bible school we did. Literally, they had one song that they wrote called It's Wild, which was like the theme song. And then they said, okay, here's some suggestions. You could play this song by like Maverick City. You could play this song by Elevation. It's almost like they said, we're really going to put our in our forces into the one song. And even that one song that they did, it went so quickly. Like It was like a rap, so it went very quickly. They had dance moves for it, but the dance moves were very complicated. I'm like, I cannot see a preschooler doing these dance moves. So I just <laughs> literally told the kids, okay, let's do the dance moves to the chorus. So the kids would sing the chorus because it was very simple because it repeated. But then the verse, it was just like, it was unmemorable. And I just felt like, you know, I feel like with the music, you have kids who are not even singing at this point. I actually had kids who were just literally running around like, jumping on the stuffed animals and playing games and not even paying attention to the worship aspect because they couldn't know the songs. And even our worship leader, you know, he'd pick songs, he'd try to engage the students. But I think, you know, the only song that they really engaged in was when we did the motions and the dance. But if you didn't have motions and dance to all the songs, then you're kind of out of luck. So, yeah, I, you know, my experience as a kid was a little bit different. I think I got to share. I, I didn't, I don't think I shared that before, but like my experience as a kid was a little bit different with VBS because I was a pastor's kid mm -hmm. and I felt like we just spent the entire summer at church because my mom worked and my dad worked. And when we were home from school, you know, we, we were at the church, we hung out and played in the gym and watched movies, whatever. Right. Um, but when VBS happened, it was like, man, we were there all day. And so, like, I just got really sick of BBS, you know, growing up because of, you know, your dad. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, smaller churches tend to do everything, right? There's mm -hmm. there's not just teams. Like, you know, if you're in a bigger situation, the lead pastor may not even do anything at BBS other than, you know, welcome people. And then at the end, 
you know, if there's a closing program, you know, thank everybody for being there and pray for them and invite them to church and then you're done. But mm. they're not there like in the the midst of the whole, you know, day to day of VBS. So like, but in a smaller situation, it's always, you know, you're you're doing everything. You're mom, you know, mom and dad were building stuff and uh setting up the church and decorating the church. And my mom was uh, heavily involved in the the uh not the crafts, but the snacks. She loved to do the snack stuff in the kitchen. Um, and so like, you know, that was a big part of her ministry. And so like she, uh, you know, then got the idea to do meals for kids when they came into church. Cause we had a big bus ministry back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, VBS spawned that idea, which, you know, we were able to mm-hmm. minister to more kids, uh, in the community as a result. And that was one of my favorite things about my mother. And, um, but with VBS, it was just always so taxing on our family because it felt like we were the ones doing everything. We were the ones yeah. setting up stuff. We were the ones decorating the church. Yes, we had volunteers, but they weren't always there. We were the basically the backbone behind it every year. And so as I got older, you know, it got harder and harder for me to to, to attend or be a part of that. And then, you know, when I was an intern and stuff in, in seminary, I did um, the, you know, I interned and I would run sound and do the tech stuff and that stuff wasn't bad because that stuff really interests me. But like the, I don't have a heart for children's ministry. Like, you know, I, I guess you do, for example, because that falls under your purview or children or youth both, um, you know, and I don't have a calling for, for student ministry. I've worked with student ministry and I've led worship for student ministry, but children, I, I know that children's ministry is not my spiritual calling or gifting. Um, and so, combo that with with the vb you know vbs conversation of being younger and growing up in a pastor's home it's a little bit different for me and i see it through a different set of eyes do i think it's rewarding yes do i think it's fulfilling yes do i think it's impactful in the community and you can uh involve families and, and children in the community yes absolutely so there's well, no issue think, with vbs and i think that's the same and i think that's the same thing like vocation bible school even though it has changed and even though you know a lot of people do different things like you know snacks you know we didn't do snacks this year we did meals and we fed families because we figured well the reason why i did that because last year we had a lot of because we have a preschool attached to the church so a lot of the preschool families come so imagine having preschoolers and then you do an evening thing and last year they were out till 8 30 at night and for a preschooler being out that late that's not going to be good. They're going to be cranky and he's going to be tired and there's going to be a lot of meltdowns. So I'm thinking, but they did it later because they want to make sure people got home, they had meals, and then they could get to the church for vacation Bible school. I'm thinking, well, why don't we just have vacation Bible school and just feed the families or kids and families? So we did. And I got a couple of different church groups to make meals and we did that. And it was fantastic. And it was Which good. Is a great idea. Which is a great idea. And we fed families. And then that way, the families didn't have to feel like, you know, all they had to do is pick up their kids and come to church. They didn't have to worry about trying to eat and then hurry up and eat and let's get to the church for vacation Bible school. It was great. And we fed them and it was nice. And we had a team that like cleaned everything up. So it was good. Uh, We also had, um, but even then, I know like in Virginia, we we didn't do it, but there was talk, especially in 2020, which, you know, that shuttered plans. But um, about doing a vacation Bible school for the local mission and do it for the kids who are living in the uh, mission uh, within town. And I thought, you know, that's a great idea. 
you know, doing a vacation Bible school for like a homeless shelter or doing something not in a building, but doing something out in a park. Kind of like when we look at some of the origin stories, you know, they're out in the park, they're in a school, they're at a, someone rents out a beer garden in uh, in New York and in the afternoons, the kids are there having a vacation Bible school in the evening. You have your uh, nighttime patrons uh, getting wasted. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff there, which, um, which kind of is good for that. So um, needless to say that, um, you know, I believe vacation Bible school is literally um, something that I think every church should do. And, and the nice thing about vacation Bible school is it's so versatile. If you want to buy curriculum, you can. I, I know at one point there was a church that literally did one day vacation Bible schools where it started in the morning, it ended in the evening, and it went all day. Um, and they did breakfast, lunch, and then had closing ceremonies on one day. Um, there was a lot of work, but really everyone, like you said, volunteers, they committed to one day for about eight hours, and then that was it. Um, so vacation Bible school probably has more flexibility than like, you know, your traditional church service does because you don't. Because at the same time, people see it as an opportunity to, again, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to kids and to their families in the community um, to kind of show off kind of the church and the mission of the church and the vision of the church. You get to show that off a little bit. But I think even the last thing, too, is you start to build kind of a good repertoire in a community when you're doing something that's positively impacting a community um, local officials, teachers, schools, neighbors, they all see it and they all say, okay, this is a church that really cares and is invested in our community. And I think when you kind of get that repertoire, then there's a lot of great things that can happen when people start recognizing the church. People may start wanting to try to start attending your church because they want to kind of know more about it. Um, because you, again, reputation always precedes word of mouth conversations, which then kind of can gain just an organic following to people to check out your church. So I say in some ways, vacation Bible school is great. And even though you, you don't even have to do it alone. I think uh, when I left Portland, there's a couple of churches, five churches that decided, well, why don't we go and join together, join all our resources together and all our volunteers together and just put on like a big community vacation Bible school. And they did that. And then each day they went to a different church and they, but they had all the same volunteers and the same theming and stuff. So I don't know if that was successful or not, but it was something that they tried. And it was especially, especially if you're a smaller church, that might be something that might be good uh, for you partner with the other smaller churches, pulling your resources, pulling your volunteers. And then you can kind of do like a joint vacation Bible school and really, impact um your communities and the kids for uh, the gospel of jesus christ so that's kind of all i have to say about vacation bible school anything else any final thoughts on vacation bible school micah um no i think you you nailed it on the head i think that you know it's a again it's a great opportunity to partner with other churches partner with with uh community outreach partner with other uh you know, businesses. And I think, you know, back to what my, you know, I was saying about my mom, you know, when they, you know, were very involved uh, in the local church, my mom like busted her butt, right? Like she would go out into the community and basically beg like grocery stores 
and uh, markets and different places to donate, right? Donate, you know, soda or pop, whatever you call it, donate chips, do like kind of a mix and match thing where if like, you know, if I buy 20 bags of chips, will you match it and buy, you know, buy 20 and like, my mom knew how to get it done. So like, there are ways to like, if you're a small church too, I'll, I'll say that and then we'll wrap it up. Um, there are ways if you're a smaller church to partner with the community and uh, you know, if it's very cost effective for you to go out and uh, you know, be able to partner with those um, businesses and get donations and uh, be able to fund your VBS without breaking the bank or, you know, like Scott was saying earlier with, uh, curriculum costing you know north of three thousand dollars which some smaller churches don't have that money so all that to say um vbs is just a great tool uh for for everybody right it's a very family-centered thing you know even though it's aimed towards kids if you can get families to volunteer parents to volunteer uh older siblings to volunteer um it's a great way to bring the church together and teach kids about jesus so mm-hmm. yeah well, friends, that's going to do it for us today, friends. Hopefully this um, podcast was helpful. Hopefully for those of you who have just finished Vacation Bible School Ideas, you know, think about what you can do next year. And like I always say, the best way to have a successful Vacation Bible School is to always plan early and plan ahead of time. And there's no better time to plan Vacation Bible School than right now for next year. So, friends. This is the Scott Simon Podcast. Hope you have a wonderful weekend and we'll be back on with a new episode. Take care.